a few announcements before the homily. First, a reminder that this coming Sunday at 11 a.m. Mass, we're going to go ahead and bless all of our teachers in honor of St. Thomas Aquinas. His feast day is January 28th. He is the most eminent of teachers in our tradition. So at the 11 a.m. Mass, we'll give a blessing to all of our teachers, those in the teaching profession. We are so grateful for what they do in general, but especially during this pandemic. Also, I want to highlight a pro-life conference that's being held digitally. It's free. You can register. There's information that was in my column, pastor's column last week. It's going to be in our digital newsletter uh, later today, and it's on our website. It's a free digital conference, pro-life conference, that answers all the challenges that we receive in the midst of society. It's a way to empower each of us as people who love life, who love the Lord, in order to answer. We have to empower ourselves, train ourselves, be ready. When we hear challenges, we have to have the answers. This conference is available. It's right there in your home. It's very flexible. Again, it's free. We encourage you to make sure you sign up. Information is on my electronic newsletter. It'll go out later today about 1 o'clock. It's in last week's, and it's also on our website. I hope that I hear from the organizers. What's going on in Indian Land, South Carolina? We had massive registrations, right? Because we definitely need to be registered, and we need to learn these answers. If you find yourself in a situation, and someone's arguing with you about abortion, and you don't have the answer, it is your fault because every opportunity for you to get the answers being provided. So this pro-life conference is a great resource. Please make sure you sign up. We must be prepared and ready. In the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit. So today in the gospel, we see the Lord call the 12 apostles. And just as he calls those 12, on account of our baptism, he calls each of us. Do we realize the great power and privilege we have as Christian believers, to share in the very apostolic work of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be able to take his message, that gospel of life, and to have the power of his spirit and the help of his grace in order to go and to proclaim a message that does not bring condemnation or hurt or harm, but a message that brings peace, mercy, reconciliation, and love. That's the message we have. That's the message that has been given to us. But so oftentimes what happens is the lamp is lit and is placed under the table. Why is it, dear friends, that we are so ashamed and embarrassed of the Lord Jesus and his gospel? Why is it that so many Christians have allowed themselves to be shamed by respectability and by their neighbors? I wish that those who hate life, those who seek the destruction of life, were as embarrassed of their message as so many of our Christians are of ours. How does that happen? That the unrighteous, those who seek evil, are so emboldened and so loud and so convicted. And yet those of us who have been given the message of life and mercy and reconciliation and mercy, we act as if we have something that we're supposed to be embarrassed about. Realize today that the Lord says to each of us exactly what he said to the 12 apostles. Come follow me. Now go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them all that I have taught you. Look at that mission we have. As Christians, we do not live aimlessly. It's not as if we are not sure of what we're supposed to be doing in our lives. We have received a mission. How are we doing with that mission? Let's look at the question of life and specifically the question of abortion. When we speak of abortion, we have to speak in dire and extreme terms because 
it is an extreme reality. We can speak about the horror of the slaughter, and these terms are appropriate. Because since its legalization in our country, millions and millions of innocent, vulnerable, weak children have been slaughtered in our country, right here in the United States of America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. But let's talk about this horror of abortion. First, we have to understand that it is truly a slaughter. But how is it that so many otherwise reasonable, what appear to be good-willed people, do not see this? How could they not understand the horror of abortion? How can one be a Christian and not see the horror of abortion? Do we not hold up and seek and hold in esteem the prophets who tell us that they received their own mission in the womb before they were even fashioned in their mother's womb, God had a plan for them? And do we not adhere to that powerful story of Our Lady going in haste to her kinswoman Elizabeth? Look at the charity of Our Lady. She goes in haste. And it is the pre-born St. John who feels the presence of his cousin, the pre-born Christ, and leaps in the womb of Elizabeth. The scriptures scream out and shout to us the dignity of all human life, the dignity of life in the womb. For a Christian, it's a no-brainer. If any Christian says, I believe in abortion, they are not a Christian. They have sacrileged and abandoned the very principle which makes us Christians. As Christians, we acknowledge that God has become a man that he has lived a human life, and therefore all human life has dignity. To hold to such an offense to human life is to betray the very principle, the foundational principle of what it means to be a Christian. And I regret that we even have to address that. Because it's precisely because of the compromise of our own that makes us so weak when we try to argue for life in the midst of the secular culture. That's Christians, though. What about the other reasonable, we perceive, good-willed people who think abortion is okay? The unbeliever or the agnostic, the ones who are not sure. First of all, they are oftentimes empowered by compromised Christians or silent Christians. But how is it that someone can be of such goodwill and of such reason and not understand the horror of abortion? Well, because... It's committed against small people, little ones who have no voice. It's committed in small places, secret places, out of the view of most of us. And it's committed against the most vulnerable and the weak. And people can easily overlook it. People can forget or not know what's being done. Abortion is made hygienic, clean. Even some young women who've had abortions who later repent will say that they themselves were not even sure what was happening because they've made it so clean and so falsely civilized. One actor some years ago caused a major stink when he had the fortitude to wear a shirt that said abortion 
Would it be easier if they used a gun? What would it do to our civilization if millions and millions of children were shot by gunfire? Is that what has to happen in order for humanity to wake up? For Americans to wake up to understand what is happening? But no, because it's by small people against little ones, precious ones, innocent ones, in the backwoods, away from the visible eye, not seen. And because it's been made so hygienic, one pro-abortionist even describing it as a mere medical procedure, like going to get your gallbladder taken out. And that's what we've made abortion. And that's why reasonable people can say, it's a woman's choice. That's why otherwise good-willed people can say, I don't want to get involved. It doesn't affect me. But dear friends, it does affect us. Because when we permit that as a nation, it corrodes our moral sense. It corrodes our understanding of human dignity. It is precisely because of legalized abortion that we can now see the assault that's being committed against those at the end of life or those with special needs. Because once human dignity becomes about utility, what are you doing? What can you contribute? If that's human dignity, then all human life becomes vulnerable. And as soon as you're vulnerable, you will become the victim of an attack. And everyone else will just look the other way. Doesn't involve me. Doesn't affect me. But it does. It hurts our society. It hurts our nation. It hurts the ability of God to bless us. Do you know how God punishes his people? Read the scriptures. The principal way in which God punishes his people is with bad leadership. God will allow his people to implode. He will grant them bad leadership. Sometimes he will even allow them to choose that bad leadership and allow the decisions that have been made to play themselves out and for the punishment to be self-inflicted. Dear friends, we cannot think that we can murder millions and millions of God's innocent, weak children and think that there are no consequences. I oftentimes think of the expression of Ruth Graham, the wife of Billy Graham, who said, if God does not inflict a severe punishment upon the United States of America, then on the day of judgment, he will have to repent before Sodom and Gomorrah. We are on shaky grounds, dear friends, as a, as a nation and as a people. In fact, I suspect it's precisely because of masses like this and the prayers that we offer that is holding back an even stronger hand of punishment. Because, dear friends, abortion is real. Children are dying. The silent screams and the distant carnage is real. And it's being done in our name. It's being committed by a mother, a doctor, in the womb. The vocation of a mother is to protect her children. We make jokes about the mama bear because mom, mothers will do anything to protect their children, to have a mother as the very victim, the, the very offender, the aggressor. And a doctor 
who literally takes a promise to do no harm, to be in this dark association, and to attack a defenseless child in the womb. That should be the safest place in human existence. And that's all real. And that's happening. So, okay, so we have the horror of abortion, Christians who have compromised, good people who just don't realize what's happening because it's made so hygienic and so distant and so removed. What about our enlightened Catholics? Let's talk about them. Because they've done so much harm. And you do know they're enlightened. They're better than the rest of us, right? Most of us, we just hear what Jesus says and we do the best we can, cooperate with his grace in order to live the gospel. Pretty simple. Oh, no, no, no. We are below them. We don't quite get it. Because they think they're so much more enlightened than us. And so much more informed. And so much broader and mature in their perspective. Huh? You can't just worry about one issue. Sounds like wisdom, but it's folly. Imagine if I were to say to you, look, I'm going to stabilize your family income. I'm going to cover all your bills. I'm going to make sure you have a nice car. You have a safe home. I'm going to make sure you have a nice neighborhood. You have good roads, a nice school system. But you know what? I just have to kill one of your kids. Once you put it in a different perspective, the folly is clear. And we could describe all these different terms in order to intimidate the rest of the believers to remain silent. Well, I don't want to look narrow-minded. I don't want to look ill-informed. I don't want to look stupid. Respectability steps in and suddenly everyone's quiet. And folly wins and murder is the rule of the day. So let's talk about these enlightened Catholics. They tell us, no, 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 look, this is what you have to do. You have to take all the life issues and they're all together. And then we have to balance them out. So we have poverty and capital punishment and we have immigration policy and so and we have to balance these all out. And we try to get as many of them right as we can. And if we don't get some right, well, that's just part of how this goes. It sounds so reasonable, doesn't it? And as Americans, we like that. We're utilitarian, right? We like that bottom line. Like, get as much as you can in the best way you can, right? But when it comes to moral truth, it's completely erroneous. Again, the wisdom is actually folly. Because within all these life issues, we have what are called intrinsic evil. As we also have prudential issues. So we look at abortion, that's intrinsic. That means no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances or the intention, it doesn't matter, it's always evil. The act itself is evil. Nothing can make it right. That's intrinsic evil. Meanwhile, there are other life issues that are prudential. For example, immigration. We can debate on how best to have an immigration policy. There can be many right answers. And we rely on the circumstances and the intentions in order to decide what is right. So immigration is not on the same level of abortion. And capital punishment is not on the same level as abortion. And the issues of the just war are not on the same level as abortion. 
because all of these require prudence, a prudential judgment. Abortion doesn't. You are literally attacking and destroying an innocent life. That is always evil. So because of that, we say there's a hierarchy. We're concerned about all the life issues. Obviously, as Christians, as people who love life, we don't want war. We don't want torture. We want to try to solve and help those in poverty. We don't seek the execution of prisoners. Of course, we are pro-life people. We're concerned about all these issues. But there is a hierarchy. And the intrinsic ones are at the top. And if we don't get those right, we have no moral standing to make any argument beyond that. And not simply is abortion an intrinsic evil. It's also at the very beginning of life. Which means if we don't get the beginning right, everything else is going to fall apart. If we don't, don't get this first life issue accurate and strong and, and, and correct, then we have no moral foundation to argue against war or capital punishment or poverty. And so while, yes, all life issues are our concern, there is a hierarchy. When we try to take some and balance them out, that is called proportionalism. That is a great heresy in moral theology because it allows me to say, I will give you all these other goods, but just let me commit this moral evil. As I described, I will bless you with all these good things, a safe neighborhood, a good home, but I just have to kill one of your kids. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. What sounds like wisdom is actually folly. Listen to this quote from Pope St. John Paul II. I love this quote. The Holy Father writes, the inviolability of the person, which is a reflection of the absolute inviolability of God, our dignity is a reflection of God's dignity. If you offend my dignity as a human person, your dignity as a human person, you offend God. The inviolability of the person, which is a reflection of the absolute inviolability of God, finds its primary and fundamental expression in the inviolability of human life. Above all, the common outcry, which is justly made on behalf of human rights, for example, the right to health, to home, to work, to family, to culture, is false and illusory if the right of life, the most basic and fundamental right, and the condition for all other rights is not defended with maximum determination. Maximum determination. If we don't get the right to life, right. All the other arguments are false and illusory. We simply agree with them because they agree with what we think. I'll grant you your dignity because I need something from you or because I want your group to support me. It's all fake. If we don't get the right to life, right. If that's not spot on, then all the other rights, listen to the Holy Father, are false and illusory. And he calls us to defend life with maximum determination. Maximum determination. 
We are called as the disciples of the Lord Jesus to continue his message, to share his gospel of life, to defend life with maximum determination. Is that what we're doing? Is that what you're doing among your friends and in your neighborhood? One Christian teenager <laughs> ratted out their parents. They said, Father, I wanted to put up a pro-life sign in our front yard. My parents said, take it down. The neighbors will think we're weirdos. Is that maximum determination? Are we praying for life in our homes? Are you speaking about the dignity of every human life, especially that in the womb, when you're among your friends? Or are you different when you're with them than you are when you're here? The Lord tells us he does not need lip service. The Lord needs apostles. Each of us have been baptized to be apostles of the gospel, which includes the gospel of life. Good news, dear friends. This past week we heard that Dr. Jerome Lejeune, who is a geneticist, Catholic geneticist, who discovered the cause of Down syndrome, has been raised to a level of venerable. That's right before blessed, right before saint. So he's on his way. I thought it was very powerful that he would be declared venerable the same week as some other event happened with some other Catholic who does not love life. Huh? You see how God works. To the righteous, God gives us hope. Dr. Jerome Lejeune spent his entire life maximum determination in order to find the cause of Down syndrome. His greatest sorrow was he couldn't find the cure before he died. And he said, almost prophetically, they will use my research to destroy life. His last, that, his last breath was he had hoped to be able to find the cure before he died. I believe that God's providence will raise up other Catholic scientists who will continue his work. Not simply in the area of Down syndrome, but in all the areas where life needs help, guidance, attention, where life needs to be defended. Perhaps even some of those young scientists will come from our parish, from Our Lady of Grace in little old Indian land, South Carolina. I have great hopes. Because I know that when there are hearts that say yes, when there's a community that says yes, God blesses that community. He blesses that person. Isn't that who we desire to be? Team Grace. A community and a people that says yes. Today, once again in your heart, say yes to life. Yes with maximum determination to defend life. Understand the mission that you have been baptized into. Accept that mission again. Receive the graces we need and then go and be those apostles, those defenders of life.